Hey, Divine Stardust, it's episode number 28 of your Cosmic Mama podcast. I'm your hostess, Andy Murphy, and we're going to see where things want to go today, um, which is kind of the way here. We don't start with a plan, but we start with an intention, an intention to connect, an intention to come together. And today, I am over the flipping moon, excited to introduce you to Charles Kiata Turlington. Charles' story, I think, is one that is not talked about a lot, which is why I'm even more delighted to be able to bring it to you today. The anxiety, the insecurity that we all carry that can bring us into our spirituality. And from that place of rock bottom to awakening. Fuck. We've all been there. There's no shame in being there. And Charles is going to share with us his heart that we can peer within and find ourselves. Isn't that the way? I think that's what I always want to do here. Like, do you find something in here that matters to you? Because <laughs> this isn't about me. Although, fuck, the last podcast, y'all. Thanks if you listened to that one, uh, episode number 27. The sound quality was shit. Uh, the emotion was not. The emotion was very sincere. So, uh, yeah, if you're new here, this is the place that you want to be. Thanks. You can start right here. And this is grand because... Uh, see yourself, see the possibilities and the potential and the love that is Charles, and know that it's you too. So you know what to do. Light a bowl, light a joint, light both. Heck, it's a new fucking year. Let's see where it wants to go. And come and join us inside Cosmic Mama Podcast. Um, I am delighted to have Charles on with us today and no plan. We are here to explore and expand in love. So Charles, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. Um, I'm really, really happy to be here. And I love exactly what you just said, just giving ourselves the opportunity to expand and see and explore, you know, see where this takes us. It feels like they want us to do a little bit of shared channeling today, too. So, um, hey, okay, we're just going to be open to that. Um, but before we do any of that, I need to make sure that I've got a candle lit mm-hmm. and that I've got, um, yeah, let's open some sacred space, y'all. It sounds nice. Um, they were very specific today, Charles. They needed you to have my black drum, which I affectionately call Marilyn. So, uh black leather sexy thing that she is here we go Very cool. um so nobody driving now please i want you to come into sacred space with us leaving your everyday behind giving yourself a moment to connect with the eternal you mm, interesting those aspects of you that are beyond this time and space Those aspects of you, that's sweet, that have been calling for your attention in 2020. Deepening our breath now and recognizing that divine is within us, never outside. And maybe committing for a minute or an hour being willing to be in communication with this truth of you to make friends
And since they've already kind of asked Charles and I to do a little bit of channeling today, I'm going to take this as an opportunity for myself to go a little deeper too. Um, my running joke with Charles is that everybody wants to be you. Does that irritate you when I do that? Um, it doesn't irritate me, no. I think in the past, um, <laughs> I love that this is where we're starting. Um, <laughs> um, in the past, it's been something that I think has almost intimidated me. Um, it's been something that I've noticed, not just with you, but in most areas of my life, when people give me a compliment or when people say anything that boils down to you're a great human being and I look up to you, um, it makes me shut down and it makes me freeze uh, because it feels like this really enormous pressure. And it's actually just been in the last couple of months where um, people have been able to say kind things to me and it doesn't cause this strange like sensation inside of me. Um, so right now, no. The sensation? the sensation is very much like everything just sort of like tightens up and locks down. But why? Hmm. I think that growing up, I was one of those kids who, or maybe I'll just speak for myself. I don't know about other kids. <laughs> um, I was always told um, that I could be sort of really whatever it was that I chose to be, um, that I had the ability and the potential to really just whatever it was I chose that's exactly what could happen. And go mom and dad. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's mo not so rare of a gift these days, but back when I was a kid, what? Yeah. That's well, it's, it was very, very sweet. But what was strange is even as a kid, that was something that gave me a lot of anxiety. Um, it was something that stressed me out a lot because I was like, well, if I can be anything, what if I choose the wrong thing? Um, if I choose this, that means I'm not choosing that. And that sort of space of, I think, like decision paralysis was where I operated from for a very long time. And it's just been in the last few years where I've been like, I think in the space of trusting my path so much that it just feels okay. Well, and yeah, I'll be curious about this too, how your spiritual path has supported the anxiety mm -hmm. because I'm not, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got some issues. Anxiety is not one mm -hmm. of mine. Um, so how do you make peace? Because the other thing that I heard as you were talking and I've heard it from a few people is their panic over the sense of infinity. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate for you too? It does. It does. Um, Anxiety is just like very much a good Judy of mine. Like we have been friends for a very long time and we have danced together for most of my life. And um, mm -hmm. I've really had to learn to be accepting of just the fact that that's kind of how fast my mind spins. Um, but my spiritual path and my spiritual journey has, has really helped soften it. Um, it's really helped take the bite out of it. And I think because what I've noticed the deeper within myself I go is that all parts of me are okay and all parts of me are valid. And I think for a lot of people, anxiety gets exacerbated because we get so mad at it and we get so frustrated at it and we don't want it to be there. So it becomes a space of resistance. So you have this 
current of electricity that's just like zapping through your whole body and you're just pissed off that it's there um, and you want it to go away and you start to fight it and that compounds the situation. Um, Is there shame around it too then? Because it mm. seems like that might be a face of it at times. Yeah, I've noticed the shame really creeping in actually the older I get because it feels very much like I shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. Um, huh. I've put so much work into this. Uh, but I think that's where the acceptance piece of just like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be someone who spins really, really quickly. It's okay to be someone who thinks really, really quickly. And Well, it makes us great psychics, doesn't it? That ability mm -hmm. to be able to, like, rapid fire on possibilities and feel which one is right. Do you play with it that way, too? I do. And um, I also think it really, when I, when I recognize my anxiety as a part of me that is really seeking to keep me safe, um, the part of me that is examining all the absolute imaginable possible ramifications or possibilities from any situation um, and to be able to think through them super, super quickly. Um, that's my body and my mind trying to make sure that I'm ready for whatever happens. Um, and that's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. So I think when I stop fighting it, it becomes uh, much less overwhelming and instead just becomes another emotion that I experience. Would you tell our lovely divine starseeds who mm -hmm. might be listening how to know the difference between anxiety and intuition? Ooh, this reminds me of one of the first things you ever shared with me um, years ago when we met, which was that imagination and intuition come through on the same channel. Um, and that was such a big revelation for me. Uh, I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, so I can like, just trust my imagination and I can, that space that occupies most of my mental capacity anyway, me imagining things, like maybe there's more in there. Uh, maybe if I sift through it, I can find the gold. And I think coming back to that space of you asking about anxiety and intuition, yeah, I think there's a correlation because for me, anxiety is a lot about perceiving possibilities. Um, it is about being prepared. Oh, wait, no, I need to break that down mm -hmm. a second. So for you, anxiety almost is an intuitive capacity because it's looking at all of the realms of possibility. Is that kind of what you said? Yeah. I love that you said it like that. Cause that's, um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying. No, I love that. That's yeah, totally. <laughs> I like that. Cause that's, that's um, really, as we're speaking about this now, it's starting to just kind of show itself to be that, that it really is an intuitive capacity. Um, and I think but it's that, also timelines, right? The anxiety mm -hmm. is because I have all of these possible freaking timelines that I could choose to go down mm -hmm. and, huh. Yeah. I think it can also even um, relate into just being highly sensitive, just being someone who feels so many things so intensely. Um, so anxiety is also just a product of just being so sensitive to stimulus, um, being so sensitive to all of those different things that are coming in, whether it's things that are coming in from like the things that your mind is spinning for you or just things that are coming in from outside of you in the world. Cause I had a client ask this yesterday and she was asking, how do I know if it's my fear creating and manifesting it? Or how do I know if it's my guides who are trying to prepare me for something? Mm. Um, and one of my easy ones has always, you know, I say this, obviously it's not that fucking easy if it doesn't work, but there's one voice that has fear and there's another that's calm underneath it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and when we're anxious, being able to find that calm feels like a cruel joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anxiety of 2020. Um, but yeah, there's also this like spinning, spiraling thing that I don't find intuition doing. I don't find that my intuition tortures me in that way. Mm -hmm. I like that you say it like that because I think, you know, um, that person who brought that question up to you, that's such a good thing to recognize is like, well, wait, where is this actually coming from? Is this yep. flurry of feelings coming from like a spiritual intuitive space or is it coming from like a mental fear-based space? Um, and that's where I think taking the time to sit with it taking the time to be present with it um, and listen to what that voice is. Like you're saying, there's two different voices. Um, and even if those voices sound exactly the same, there's a difference in the tone. Um, and if it's something that doesn't feel good, no matter how long you sit with it, then it probably isn't coming from that deepest part of who you are. Um, when my itty bitty was an itty itty bitty, mm -hmm. she's 13 now. Um, I can remember asking Archangel Michael mm. and I'm like, I know that I am a new mom and I don't know shit because yeah, I don't, for any of y'all who have had uh, first children, there's this constant anxiety of like, oh gosh, is that normal? Oh gosh, am I going to kill her? She's still breathing. Like waking up in the middle of the night and like literally like watching a chest rise. Mm. That is uh, totally normal and totally <laughs> common. Um, but I remember asking Archangel Michael and I'm like, if there is something deeply wrong here, I need you to get my attention differently. And so I asked in that way of like, don't let it sound like my intuition or else I might get confused. I need your voice to be like booming and different. So I pay attention differently. Mm, I love that. Um, we, we haven't gotten to a place where I've heard him mm -hmm. <laughs> come in for her like that, which is probably great. That's true. Um, but yeah, I was so specific with it because I knew that if it did sound like my intuition, I might not pay attention the same way if there really was like a danger, danger signal that was coming through. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you're speaking to that ability to ask, you know, because um, that's just <laughs> such an important thing that- I'm a bossy bitch sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even say that it's bossy. I would say that it's just recognizing your power, you know? <laughs> y'all want my attention you better come in this way yep. um but i think a shaman too like that is the beauty of learning our power mm -hmm. that we are kind of the alpha beings on this planet mm -hmm. and we have all of these energies in place to support us so we have to feel okay telling them how to support us and how to communicate with us yeah and i i view that as just being in a really honest space of communication um you know, if you're saying I, I've had sort of similar experiences um, with spirit where I'm just like, if you want me to recognize what it is that you're trying to say, it needs to happen like this and not like that. And that's that's Ooh. how I can receive it because I want to, you know, like if there is this big, you know, like spiritual warning signal that's going off, but it yep. feels exactly the same as just sort of my regular ambient anxiety. Um, <laughs> it's not going to click into place. Um, but if it shows up in a different way, uh, then I'll recognize it. And for me, I feel like that isn't, I know how you said it, it may have felt like being bossy, but I actually think it's being really respectful because it's saying <gasps> you have a message for me and I really want to be able to hear it. You have a message for me and I want to receive that. So this is the way you can speak to me. 
Oh, Char, thank you. This is why everybody wants to be Char. Because <laughs> you have just the sweetest, um, most penetrative. Like you distill it down to this thing that just feels like an absolute uh, wrapped package of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody who is new in their awakening, let's also acknowledge you being able to tell spirits, spirit guides, God, mm-hmm. your galactic family, whatever languaging you're working with, you being able to tell them what you need is a sign of mastery and it's not a sign of disrespect. Mm-hmm. I like it. I also think um, it's a space of like just advocating for yourself. And that's something that I'm a really big woo! proponent of just in all woo! domains of life. Um, just standing up for yourself because uh, I've had to have that, you know, conversation with spirit where it's like even just perceiving things and I'm like that's totally fine we can do that all day long but like it can't happen when I'm in my room in my bed at night because that gives me the heebie-jeebies and that freaks me out and that's just is not going to (laughs) work well and not beyond advocating for self what you're sharing is we're allowed to have boundaries Mm. with spirit goodness gracious yes please I love that and I think that when you have I I just recognize this with other people that I know, Um, but I feel like when anyone has and maintains clear boundaries, it's a space that other people respect as well. And so when you can have and maintain clear boundaries with spirit, um, that that shows God that you can be respected as well. Oh, that's so good. Um, were you on, uh, Charles and I are part of a, uh, light club, not a fight. Um, (laughs) and we had a call yesterday and I don't know if you heard, but one of our, uh, cohorts was saying that as she set more boundaries at work, people actually respect her more. Did you hear that? I know I may have had to pop off before that, but I love that. Everyone wondered, but it was just that same thing where like the more boundaries she set in place at work of like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not willing to do that. Now her coworkers are coming to toward her asking, well, would you mind it? Like there's a whole different level of respect that's come in. Um, So this idea of boundaries, I know for a lot of us who are empathic Mm -hmm. and codependent, because those two (laughs) empaths and codependents, we are very good friends, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Um, That idea of setting boundaries is so frightening at times. Mm -hmm. But the more that I have learned those boundaries, I see them as an act of self-love, not as a blocking or bear. Oh, Mm -hmm. She said that you said that too. You want to tell me what you call ba- what you say about boundaries, please? Well, I, as you were saying it, I was starting to remember it, but that a boundary is not a barrier. Um, Bingo. Yeah, and I think that's why there's so much fear for people when they put boundaries up because it feels like, oh, well, but if I build this giant wall around myself, nothing can get in. And no, that's not what a boundary is. A boundary is you saying what is or isn't acceptable within your space. That doesn't mean you're blocking anything besides the things that you don't want. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm also a big proponent of kindness. Um, and so distilling things <laughs> down to be kind. Can I just absorb that for a uh-huh. second? Because I just want that to be like the sound bite that's on everything. I'm a big proponent of kindness. Aren't you though, Charles? Yeah. And isn't that what makes you so dang lovable? I'd like to think so. <laughs> oh, I think, well, and I think that really comes too from, you know, like earlier I know I was speaking about just like this journey with anxiety and a big piece of that in that resistance and in that sort of battle within myself, there was so much self-loathing for a very, very long time. Um, I didn't like anything about myself for quite a long time and over just, yeah, 
the recent, well, maybe not recent past. It's been a while now, which is nice and lovely to say. Um, but learning <laughs> to be okay with myself has really meant all those spaces where I used to be really critical. I'm just inviting myself to be very kind and understanding instead. Um, all those spaces where I used to be mean uh, or dismissive, I'm choosing instead to try out compassion and just see how that feels. Like, well, what if instead of being mean to myself or beating myself up right now, uh, I try being nice to myself or I try saying, well, that makes sense, you know? Well, and what is the voice of your inner critic? Because um, having known you, mm -hmm. what, maybe four years now. Yeah, it's been a bit, yeah. I don't know how there's any part of you that you couldn't love. Mm -hmm. So what is that inner critic? Like, where the fudge does that come from? Not just for you, but I think in general, if we can, how do we identify where that is coming from? I think that for myself um, and maybe for other people too, that space of being critical of ourselves starts when, as we're growing, we get told that who we are is not okay. Um, those, those times when we start to, as, you know, as kids, like growing into being ourselves and growing into being individuals and growing into being who we're meant to be mm -hmm. so often that encounters resistance. Um, yeah. Um, as you're talking, I just saw something mm -hmm. and this is why they probably told us what we were channeling today. Yeah. This idea of, you know, kids are so innocent. Kids are like the most wonderful and loving things, mm -hmm. but they're really not. There is this weird place that happens with kids where they become very mean to one another. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe this is an era that has shifted. So let me say, I don't see a ton of this in my daughter's school. We're going to go into public school next year and that could change. Mm -hmm. Um but do you think that the kids become so mean because it is us like fighting against the innocence that we naturally are and trying to fit into a world that tells us what we're supposed to be so we take it out on each other? Ooh. Right? They're breaking us. And instead of us breaking, we're um, – it's leaking out onto our peers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like when we're in these spaces um, – well, anytime. You know, if you think of like a cornered animal, you know, regardless of how injured it may be, it'll fight back. Um, and mm. if we're kind of growing up in a world that is very intent, uh, the old world was very intent on keeping us in boxes, um, keeping us small, uh, keeping us in easily defined, easily categorizable um, identities and ways of existing and saying, these are the very few paths that you can take in your life. This is how you do it. <laughs> and so if you are just like a human being who falls outside of those very narrow definitions, you grow up feeling claustrophobic without realizing that that's what it is. You feel cramped and contained without realizing that that's what that sensation in your gut is. And I think so often oh. that it ends up redirecting um, on the communities around us, on the people around us, you know, um, even the people we care about. You know, that's why it's the easiest thing in the whole world to fight with your family, you know, because um, they're often the people that are closest to you. And the ones who hopefully operate from unconditional love and won't leave you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched this with my daughter quite a bit where she takes out her meanest on me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm kind of the coolest one in your freaking reality. How come I get all the shit? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like Duncan Trussell says, this is the universe showing you its ugly side because I'm safe enough. Mm -hmm. And I know that your love won't change. You know, I think about that sometimes with myself. Um, like when I think about growing up with my parents and especially with my mom and all the times that I was just mean, you know, 
And looking back on it as an adult, it's like, oh, you know, it just feels a little bit cringy, but it's also like exactly what you said, like that's a safe space to do it. Yep. You know, it's it's kind of like where you feel safest, just like as your disheveled, rolled out of bed self is probably also where you feel safest, just kind of whether you realize it or not, just projecting your frustrations out on other people. And what I, what I wrote down is kind of interesting because I take, I take notes almost minute by minute over here because mm-hmm. that's my little geek out. Yeah. Um, innocence. Mm-hmm. Like we need to get back to that place of innocence within our own inner child, right? So not as a society, like I don't mean it to be that big. I mean it just to be like, as you're talking about the kindness that Charles is showing Charles, mm-hmm. somehow that innocence and the pathway to our innocence and our growing up or responsible gets corrupted. So I think for me, that's always the starting point to go back to whenever I do have one of those critical voices inside of my head um, is getting to the wounded one underneath, right? Yeah. Yeah. And acknowledging them as wounded, you know, and being okay with that. Cause I think um, in that same space of like resisting or fighting the parts that we don't like, um, I think oftentimes we really don't like to admit that there are places within us that still carry the wounds and the traumas and the baggage <laughs> of our past. Um, we don't well, want to be do. there anymore. Um, Have you seen Uncle Frank yet? No, I, I don't. I don't know what that means. Um, Amazon yeah. new movie okay. called Uncle Frank, created by Alan Ball, mm-hmm. um, who did Six Feet Under. Okay. Uh, and I won't spoil the story, but as you were talking earlier, it is that of like knowing who you are and the world not being okay with who you are and how that corrupts our sense of self. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of who anybody is, we live in a world that has been, we, how about this? We grew up in an old world that was designed to strip us of our sovereignty as multidimensional beings of empowered consciousness. So every human being has gone through this, you know, every human being has encountered this, um, this frustration and this wound, um, whether they're conscious of it or not, because, you know, unless people are, you know, and I think we were saying the other day, you know, like nobody's like enlightened, you know, people are just working towards it. And so if nobody's quite there, that means all of us carry that wound and all of us have had that, that box you know, all of us have been crammed into that box and some of us have realized it's a box and chosen to fight out of it. Um, Other people haven't realized it's a box. um, And some people may recognize that it's a box, but also know that it's a safe space uh, because it's comfortable and it's familiar. Right. And people will accept you while you're there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's the story. I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to be, you know, air quotes, that's how it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be. Um, So it's, I think it's easier in some regards, but I also think yeah. that in other regards, you know, you're not like not easier. the sky. So. <laughs> um, one thing that I've noticed shifting within the last couple of years mm-hmm. is shame. Mm. And I did this like hack, I guess we, we, languaging now I would call it a hack. Back then I didn't know what I was doing, but anytime I had shame, I would out myself and I would announce to whoever was around. And that was very, um, maybe on the spectrum behavior is how it was received at times. But what I started doing is I'm like, I know that I will have a dark corner inside of me that judges this later. So if I can like announce that I have done it, Mm -hmm. then there's nowhere for me to hide in the shame of it later. Um, And what I've 
experienced in the last few years is that as more of us are talking about the things that bring us shame, we're realizing we all do like there is no there is nothing in my self judgment that others haven't experienced. Mm. There's not a place for us to isolate so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard Noah Lampert talk about this quite a bit of like, yeah, shame's an old paradigm. Um, there's no space for it anymore because <laughs> just it never did exist, but I think it existed as a mechanism to isolate us. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as you were speaking to that, just sort of like expressing how you feel when you feel it, um, what I was remembering, um, for me, I think my biggest lesson and teacher in that uh, was several years ago, um, and my father was diagnosed with cancer. And it was um, it was unexpected, as it usually is. And, um, <laughs> and we were told, you know, he was told by his doctors that it was through his whole body and that he had maybe a year. And there were a couple different options for treatments, but none of them would probably do anything. Um, and that's just how it was. Wow. And it was a paralyzing experience of panic for me um, and for my family. Um, it, it shook the foundation of our family in a very dramatic way. And I realized at the beginning Um, right when it started that I had a decision to make moving forward. And that decision was either A, put on that strong face, hunker down, bottle up the feelings and get through it, or B, feel what I feel when I feel it. And for the first chunk of time, it was uh, a bit of a rocky, turbulent road, um, but then eventually I realized it was so helpful because I just let myself cry when I needed to cry. Um, and my body found a rhythm for it. You know, soon it was something that I did every day in the shower, you know, um, soon it was something that I would do in between clients in the bathroom. Uh, just whenever it hit me, I just allowed it. Um, and it helped the process of going through his treatment and that sort of, um, impending possibility of his passing, um, it made it less heavy. It didn't change it mm. in terms of the the magnitude, but it didn't feel like I was about to blow up at a moment's notice. It felt like I was letting off steam so I didn't boil over. And my dad and is still here. Still um, yeah, that's what I was going to um, thank you. Yeah. That's what we needed to hear mm-hmm. too, is that uh, one year diagnosis, bitches be wrong. Yeah, that was- <laughs> that's not how it went at all, which is- mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like five or six years ago. So that place of our sovereignty and of our power and of the limitations that are put upon us in that way of like, well, here's our best diagnosis. You guys don't know shit and it's okay. We're None of us know shit. So, you know, I'm just not going to trust that you know yeah. more or less than I do. It's fine. Yeah. Well, that reminds me too of just like, um, there is a book by Augustine Burroughs. Um, which one is it? This is How. It's a book called This is How. Um, and there's a chapter in there towards the end where he talks about believing in miracles. And it's really beautiful because he's kind of speaking to that perspective of like, well, if you have a child, you know, that's dying of an illness and that kid says like, well, will this get better? Um, is there a chance of a miracle? And the answer is always yes. Um, even if it is the tiniest chance of a miracle, there's always present, um, kind of like looking up at the sky and seeing all the stars. And if just one star represents that one chance, well, that still exists as a possibility. 
Um, and it's so beautiful because he goes on to describe just like it's how silly it is not to believe in miracles um, because we live <laughs> on this like this rock hurtling through space, spinning around a star and our water stays in the glass, you know, and we're just going through just the chaos of our lives. But then you have bees that make these perfect geometric structures and you have birds that sing these beautiful songs and you have whales that swim through these oceans. Like it's, it's just silly not to believe in miracles because just by the very virtue of like us sitting here and like our water staying in the glass as we hurdle our way through the cosmos, like that's pretty miraculous. So good. And the fact that an ant can even carry anything at all. Yeah. Right? Like, and an ant can carry how, a lot of things. <laughs> how? And a single strand of hair is like one of the strongest fibers. Mm-hmm. How and what? Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's gorgeous. I have witnessed you grow so beautifully and miraculously. How have you, hmm, I don't know what the question is, but I want to get back to this place of like being of infinite light and sovereignty Mm -hmm. because you have really embodied that, my love. How? How'd you do it? What's your secret? (laughs) Um, It's been bits and pieces and will continue to be bits and pieces. Um, I think accepting the patient process of it all has been helpful. Um, but really it's just been something that I've, I've had to consciously choose. And, and it's something that I have to consciously continue to choose. Um, and it means changing. It has meant drastically shifting my life. Um, it has meant, um, being brave enough to be who I am. Um, I, I have a, a, a friend of mine who has referred to, um, their own experience of kind of stepping into their path as coming out of the spiritual closet. Um, And I think that sense of coming out, that sense of being comfortable with authentically expressing all aspects of who you are, for me, that's been um, just like a continual journey. Um, Because also, the more you go along, the more you discover about yourself. So there's things about you you don't know right now that given time, (laughs) you'll uncover and then you can express them. Oh my God. If you can tell that to my 2019 self, because I thought I fucking knew a thing back there mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about what this year would bring. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, that's where everything just feels so brand new right now, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, overwhelming, um, but also it can be very, very <laughs> exciting. Um, it is, I'm, I'm also big on perspectives and finding silver linings. And so like, if there's something underneath it, oh, that just as a little addition, jumping back to anxiety, anxiety and excitement are such similar physical, visceral experiences in your body. Um, so oftentimes when I'm feeling really anxious about something, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just excited. <laughs> like maybe all this anxiety about, you know, the old world dying and a new earth being birthed, like maybe it's not anxiety. Maybe I'm stoked. Um, it's the same inner, like, yeah, yeah it, it, the electrical impulses yeah, exactly. within. It's that same buzz. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes that helps. And, and I'll talk with that um, with people or with clients, with friends when, you know, like if something's impending, they're like, oh my God, I'm so anxious about this thing that's coming up tomorrow. And it's like, well, what if you're excited? And maybe you're not, maybe you are anxious, but that's fine. What if you just tell yourself you're excited? That might change yep. it a little bit. That might soften it a little bit. Um, or it might just open up a different perspective, which is like, oh yeah, I may be anxious, but also I'm looking forward to this or. 
And it's an optimism, but it's not really. It's about, uh, in that way that you said perspective, it's about training our perspective Mm -hmm. where it is that we want. And sure, I know that I'm a pretty powerful fucking being. I can create some really bad scenarios for myself, but why would I? Mm. I'd rather spend that energy um, creating really miraculous scenarios for myself. Yeah, that has been a big thing that I've been learning over the last couple of years, especially, is like, oh, I have a choice here. Like, I, I, I really can. I mean, and it's, it's a difficult choice to make when you're in it. But that choice of like, do I put my energy into these um, painful manifestations or these painful imaginings <laughs> or these painful experiences? Or can I just like acknowledge that there are parts of me that would love to do that? There are parts of me that are comfortable with that. There are parts of me that that do enjoy that because there's there's something delicious about intense emotions and painful things, sad things, um, you know, angry things. Those are powerful feelings. And so it makes perfect sense that there are parts of us that want to indulge in them. You know, that's how I feel with like depression. Like I, there is a part of me that feels like depression is so comfortable um, as a space to be. That melancholy is um, so familiar. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean though that it's the best space for me to be hanging out or indulging. Um, no, yeah. God, but doesn't it want to lure you back in yeah. every time? My, my depression likes to just be like, just stay here mm-hmm. and keep staying high and mm-hmm. watching baking shows yeah. and like, don't do it. <laughs> right, sit down and lay down and don't move and just be here. Um, and that, that's okay too, you know, because I think a big part of my own journey that I've had to accept with the way that I operate um, in terms of anxiety and also in terms of depression is that kind of just like seasons or days of the week or months of the year, they're cycles, they return. And um, I I learned this years ago with, when it came to the seasons, Um, it was right around the time that everything really started happening for me with my spiritual path. And it was uh, because my old life had completely fallen apart. I had gotten a DUI and that was the sort of the cherry on top of a string of personal failures. And, um, And I just didn't have anywhere to go and I didn't know what to do. And I had just screwed everything up. And, um, and so that winter, uh, I didn't have a car <laughs> and I lived in Littleton and worked in Denver and I was commuting uh, with the light rail and the bus and I was outside. And that was one of those winters, um, where it was like in the negative, you know, degrees for like at a time, it was a very, very cold winter and I was outside. And at first I was just so angry at it, but then I realized like, well, if I have my coat and I have my my gloves and I have my hat, I have my little, like my little winter, winter drag as it were. Um, I'm fine because I'm like, I'm able to keep myself warm. Okay. That's nice. Well, I'm still standing outside in it, but if I feel comfortable with that and I just accept it, there's something really, really beautiful about the cold. There was something really, really beautiful about the crisp air. There was something Mm-hmm. funny and and you know amusing about the way like my breath would fog up my glasses and they'd immediately freeze to my nose like it it became something that i enjoyed and then i realized like dang like so many people get so angry at winter because it's cold and it's dark um but it happens every year <laughs> so, <laughs> so like yeah you aren't going to stop it from yeah it's like if it's like a solid like you know quarter of your life and your experience and it's a solid quarter of you know what what your time on this earth is, maybe maybe we don't have to fight it. Maybe we don't have to resent it. Maybe we don't have to be bitter towards it. Um, and instead, maybe we can just prepare um, 
and <laughs> and be okay and recognize Hot the packs in, in your hands. Exactly. Like whatever fine. you need. Um, if you have, you know, like the ability to have it, good. Um, but I think we can take care of ourselves um, a lot more than we let ourselves believe. Well, and the other thing that I just want to say here too is uh, the idea of the cycles and the seasons. Mm-hmm. I know that if I go into a depressed state, as I did last weekend, I know that if I let myself be there, it will shift on its own. I don't need to force my way through it. I don't need to avoid Mm -hmm. it. I don't need to judge it. So for me, like it's usually a three-day process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've told my family in the past, and I'm like, if you knock on my crab shell whenever I'm in my three days of like, the world is falling apart, I will bring you into it with me. If you can give me some space... I'll buoy myself right back up and be this, uh, you know, delightful little fucking thing that I happen to be most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I need the cycle to do that. And I need, uh, I've learned enough over the years of like giving myself the permission to be able to go into that without um, judging it too much or resisting it. Yeah. Because it's going to show up. It does. Like as an empathic being, it's going to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're saying (laughs) that, it was like, I was remembering this, that lesson of like just allowing it to pass and just allowing it to be what it is because it just is. Um, a few years ago, and this was probably like after I had met you um, and I was, or it actually was like leading up to when I met you and worked with you for the first time. And um, and I was navigating an intensely profound heartbreak, um, one that wasn't just about the person, it was more about me kind of learning what I needed to learn about myself. Um, but I was just in the dark space. I was, I was in that, those, the throes of depression when it feels like you'll never get out of it, when it feels like it is inescapable, when it feels like it is heavy and suffocating and it feels like there is no other choice but to bounce on out. Um, because it just, wait a second, I've been in that. I didn't, I've never been in that before. I didn't know it's something you bounce out of. Like this has kicked my ass, Charles. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to you and making notes and I'm like, Oh, Oh, say more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe bouncing is, it has a bit too much brevity to it. Um, (laughs) but like it, it's something that eventually passes. I remember it was a really big teacher for me with meditation as well. Um, because I was just, there was a day where I could not shake it even for a second. And I remember going to the park near my home and sitting under a tree and just like crying without crying. It was just like my eyes were faucets that were turned on. I was just like sitting there and it was just like tears were just coming out. And I was just like, this won't go away. And I was like, well, if this is like something that's supposed to pass, why won't it pass? And I imagined it as a storm and it was, you know, horizon line to horizon line. Like in my mind's eye, it was just this sheet of black and gray and misery. And I was like, fuck, like this is supposed to pass, but it's all I can see. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there. And finally, after I was probably there for hours. And then finally I felt it move. It didn't Mm -hmm. clear. It didn't shift. The sun didn't come out and the birds didn't start singing. Um, And no one walked up to you telling you and professing their love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like nobody came to fix it. Like I just, I sat there and I stared at the clouds long enough to where I finally saw that they too were moving, even if it felt just horrendously slow. Um, Even if it felt like this glacial thing, I realized there was movement to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I just kept sitting there until it started to shift enough to where I realized it, it will eventually not be directly overhead. (laughs) 
Um, and it continued to take time and it continued to take um, more of just kind of sitting there and, and separating myself from it, recognizing that those deep, and this is the thing about those deep, profound, overwhelming, visceral feelings and emotions is that they feel like they are who we are. But if you sink even deeper in, you are still the awareness of that emotion, which means that you are separate from that emotion. It's something that's happening to you. It's something that you are experiencing. Um, and if you can- Why didn't I book a session with you several months ago? Like this would have helped back there, but um, <laughs> I guess I need it now, not then. Yeah, well, and like, and that's the thing too, is like when you're going through it, you're just, you're going through it and it sucks, you know? It sucks. It just sucks. And that's that's a part of it. I had a girlfriend say to me, she's like, this is why in the old days we only did this once. She's like, we wouldn't have multiple partners and multiple loves. It's too, it's too much on a being. It's a lot. I'm like, oh yeah, I fuck. Yeah. I, d- I didn't know that before. Yeah, and, and that goes back to that, you know, that safety of the box that the old world put us all in. Um, because there's something that that's the thing about, I think when people stay in situations that um, may not be for their highest best, um, but they know what they are. It's familiar. It's um, and oh, even yeah. if it's dangerous, it still feels safer than what is unknown. And that's why we stay. Um, I want to get back to this piece mm-hmm. because you talked about your awakening, and I was going to ask this earlier. Yeah. When was it that your light start? Yeah, what was your awakening process like? Like, uh, and where did spirit start coming in and kind of guiding things mm-hmm. to being at the place that you're at now? Well, it was after that DUI because that was me hitting rock bottom, and that was in 2012. Um, and I remember sort of like in the weeks following that, before they took my license away, um, I was driving around. Do you drink now? Are you able to drink at all? Um, yeah, it's not like a problem. It's not like a thing. It's not even something that I really enjoy. Um, my relationship shifted with it so much over the course of that whole process. Um, but when it came to like immediately following, um, that event, uh, when it came to immediately like picking myself myself up and like realizing I was standing on rock bottom, I was in my car driving around and um, I just kind of let Jesus take the wheel. Um, and I did that for probably that whole like month or so before my life. And when you say Jesus, are you saying it figuratively or are you talking about this lovely ascended master who you have a relationship with? Uh, both. Yes to both of okay. those, you know, um, uh, really just kind of like allowing my intuition um, and uh, allowing God just to kind of turn wherever I felt like turning. And one day, um, with all of my aimless driving around, I just ended up in the parking lot of a massage school. <gasps> and I was like, oh, well, I mean, like I have some friends who do this and and it's really cool. Um, maybe I'll just go in and like see what this place is like. And I went in and... They gave me a little tour and before I knew it, I was applying and, and then all of a sudden I was in it (laughs) and I was starting it and I had no intention of becoming a massage therapist. At that point, I was just like, well, here's a thing that I can do. Here's a thing that like, if I've screwed everything else up, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can finish this. Maybe I can complete this. And at the end of the day, because at that time in my life, um, I was dancing regularly. And I was like, at the end of the day, I'll know my body better. At the end of the day, Charles. I'll be a better dancer. Um, 
And you're my spirit animal. Oh. Like, that's all. Oh. Yeah. I just want to imagine you in like a Jesus literally taking the wheel with like Jesus in the center of a steering wheel. Like I've mm-hmm. got this whole vision of it. And then, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dancing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks. Um, but it, w- it was over the course of that, that year, that year long program where it was just like, oh, like I- this is cool. And I really love this. And I'm here. I'm present. I'm not <laughs> screwing this up. I'm actually um, invested up. and I'm showing up. And and it was that experience was what pulled me down out of my head and into my body. You know, it like took someone like digging deep into my hips or like, you know, working through my back or like, you know, digging into my feet to be like, oh my gosh, I have hips. I have a back. I have feet. Like I'm here in this body. And it, it pulled me out of my anxious mind enough to realize that I'm more than that. Um, and that that isn't the only part of me and that isn't the only place within myself I can exist. Um, it felt very much like I realized I had lived my whole life locked up in a tiny room in the attic of myself. Yeah. And I just didn't realize it until I um, turned around and was like, oh, there's like a whole door that I can just open. <laughs> and oh my God, there's sta- there's other floors. I can go downstairs. <laughs> and then there's a front door to this house and I can walk outside. <laughs> like there's, It was very much like Plato's allegory of the cave. Um, you know, a person just <sighs> realizing. What were you thinking you were going to do before you found massage? Um, I didn't know. I tried. I was um, a musician. I played clarinet and that was how I started <gasps> college was as a performance major. Um, what? Yeah. And uh, I've always loved writing. Um, so I also was trying for journalism and just, I did not fit into that, that, um, what's the right word? I want to say style of education, but also just that kind of, um, that schedule and that pace of education. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wasn't a situation in which I thrived. Um, But when I was in massage school, it was just like, I was just learning so many things in a very rapid pace and, and that suited me. Um, And so that was also really cool to be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not broken here. Like I'm not bad at learning. I'm, I'm actually incredibly good at learning. And it's one of my favorite things to do. I just wasn't able to really thrive in that kind of a system. Um, but this kind of an environment, it's helping me grow. And that was where I was just realized like, this is, this is what I'd like to do. This is the beginning of something here. And um, the day that I became, uh, when I was introduced to craniosacral therapy, when I was in massage school, that was the day where I was like, oh, oh that's what my hands want to do. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, I love that because yeah, those of you who do cranial, uh, cranial sacral, uh, tell me the correct name of it. So I'm not just butchering it over here. Cranial sacral therapy. Is yeah. Cranial sacral therapy. Um, it's almost like your fingers have extenders that go on for miles. Yeah. Like the things that you guys can feel and the ways that you can bring it through. It's insane. It's, it's, it is a, very beautiful, very profound, very humbling modality for me. Um, it's something that- has- As I talk to you, like I can feel it in my fingertips in a way that I don't normally. Mm-hmm. Thanks for letting me feel it. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. Because like, as you described it as like fingers going on for miles, it's just, it was a space where I really learned um, just the possibilities of of the quantum, uh, the possibilities yeah. of directing intention and bringing awareness to spaces. And then what unfolds when you just notice something that just the act of observation in itself brings about change, not because you're changing it. Um, and that's what I think I love so much about craniosacral work is I'm not going in there fixing a problem for someone. 
I'm not going in there being like, well, this is what I need to do to, to like untwist this or unwind that or unknot this other thing. It's, it's not that at all. It's me just noticing, oh, this is where something's hanging out. Cool. What happens if we just sit with it? Oh, cool. It wants to unwind. Oh, cool. It wants to feel better. Oh, cool. It wants to release. I don't have to do anything, but just, just sit there and, and kind of be that bridge. Um, it reminds me a lot of like, if you balance a pen on your finger, uh, and if you just set it there and when you find that sweet spot where it's just right there, perpendicular on your finger and it's perfectly balanced and all it takes is just like a gentle breath and it can just knock the pen right over. And it's, it's that oh, space of balance that I hold with my work of bringing things to that space of, of poise. Um, because then it just falls where it wants to fall and our bodies want to feel better. You know, our, our souls want to call back all of their power. Like we want to, at the very core of who we are, we want to be these expansive beings of consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. We want to be these people who live in these bodies that feel good and move with ease. Like that's what we want. And so when we choose it, when we choose to be in spaces that allow that and that facilitate that and that have that intention, like our bodies are on board. Um, and that's that's my favorite thing about facilitating the kind of work that I do is um, the person on the table is the healer in the situation, not me. Um, I just have the honor and the privilege of being there um, and kind of holding the right vibe so that they can do what they want to do, which is feel better. <laughs> I'm getting back to your Jesus take the wheel moment with mm -hmm. that. Like you as healer, it is letting the divine in the body mm -hmm. show you. And there's such a sweetness in being able to um, not take on the role as healer, but taking on the role as listener and observer of whatever this experience presented to us is. Yeah, it's profound the way that you get to do this. Yeah, as you said, um, observer, the word that came to mind too was witness. Um, oh, there you being, go, being right? The witness of that. And I think that's where the most the most humbling parts of it come through. Um, because the most the most powerful things I've ever witnessed are people just choosing to work through their yep. shit. And it's beautiful yeah, to see. Um, and it's beautiful to witness. Because the healers who go in of like, I'm going to fix you and I'm going to do it with this and this modal. Fuck off. I am so, uh, I'm turned off by that at this point in time because, um, and I can remember working with a healer many years ago. And I remember laying on her table and she's like, you know, this message came in for you four days ago and I really struggled with how to tell you. And I'm like, fuck you, then you are not serving me where I am right now. You are coming in with an agenda yeah. of what you think needs to be done. And that was so um, out of integrity to not only how I wanted to receive, but how I wanted to practice. Like, who the fuck are you that you're tapping into my energy field four days before I show up here? Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting because I think so often um, when people start out on their journeys of doing healing work in whatever modality it is that they choose, there is this enormous rush of empowerment because you're like, I have tools that can help people. You know, I have knowledge that can be of benefit to someone. Like I know how to do something that can take another person, a person that I care about out of pain. That's so fucking cool. I want to do it. Um. But it's sort of like if you have a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. Um, 
Yeah. So you don't need to do that. And I think over time what I've learned, because I started out that way too, where I was like, I can fix this. Why aren't you letting me fix this? Let me fix this. I know how to fix this. Very I, 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 very much about me. Um, and over time I was, I realized, um, especially through the course of my craniosacral training, and then it really deepened um, when I started walking uh, my shamanic path, uh, was recognizing that like, yes, I have a wide and wonderful toolkit that can be of benefit to people if that's what they want. Um, but I don't have to push that on anyone. I can just have that here. You know, if someone shows up, it's because they chose to. And that's where I think respecting other people's sovereignty is so important in healing work. Um, because we, it's, it's exciting to know that we can fix things, but also that in itself is a bit of a contradiction because it's not us that fixes yep. the things for other people. It's them. Let Jesus take the wheel. God, mm-hmm. that's so good. Um, would you talk to me about the first time that shamanism, I don't want to say showed up for you. Cause I know that it was there when you were itty bitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just didn't have a word. I didn't have a word. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about that because it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, talk to me about your shamanic path and the calling to it. It really started also, um, it it started opening itself up to me when I was in massage school um, because where I went, uh, the Massage Therapy Institute of Colorado, they just provide such a wonderful smorgasbord of things to learn. So I was introduced to so many different modalities from so many different teachers. um, And in the course of that, somehow, somewhere, like shamanism popped up and I was just Mm. so struck by that word. Um, and so struck because I had no idea what that word meant. Um, <laughs> but it, it just, um, there was something about it that I just felt so drawn to understand. And mm-hmm. so I started reading. I started, you know, getting book after book after book and reading through all these different people's experiences and just feeling like I still don't know what this is. I'm reading all these people's stories of their journeys and their work and um, their healing experiences and their spiritual experiences. And I still don't know what the fuck this is about because it felt so far away and it felt so mystical. And it also felt like a path that if I chose it, um, I would have to leave everything behind. Um, I, I had it in my head that well, I have this deep call to know what this is, but the only way I can do this is if I leave my whole life behind me and travel halfway across the world and, you know, and seek through, you know, the depths of a jungle or a forest or a mountain to find a, you know, like an old wizened shaman somewhere who would be willing to teach me. Like it was very much, I had this big story that made it feel so far away. Um, And then it was actually uh, my very first experience with you uh, that made me realize it wasn't far away at all. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm not going to let you say anything else because this isn't about me. It's about you. <laughs> um, thank you for that. But mm-hmm. well, I think the experiential, right? That was that's the, what it was. Because um, it was it was need. you leading a journey in class, and I was like, "Well, let me just try yeah. this out because I've read so much about it." And I went. And Were you at the ritual craft class? Yeah. That mm-hmm. Like is that, I remember you sitting in that side of the like I ha- I'm visual. Yeah. <laughs> you in that corner of the class. That's so sweet. Yeah, and it was it was what was the most. The funniest part about it was, you know, like you opened that space and you led us on those journeys and I went where I needed to go. And you, you were, that was where you started by saying your imagination and your intuition come through the same channel. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll just trust what I see. Um, And when I came out of it, I realized I had been doing that my whole life. (laughs) 
um, I realized I had experienced it in so many different ways. I realized I had experienced it through craniosacral therapy, you know, through through emotional release, through somato emotional release, um, by journeying into myself and exploring my memories and unwinding my trauma um, by trusting what my imagination was telling me when my eyes were closed. Uh, and I walked away from that and I was just like, oh shit, I don't need to go anywhere else. It's right here within me. Um, so thank you, <laughs> uh, because that, that opened things up and that made something that felt so far away feel like it was actually just right in the heart of who I am. And it is. And, uh, Sadika and I did a podcast last week. I'm still, I'm still trying to catch up and edit mm-hmm. some things y'all. Um, but this desire to prove its existence like my heartfelt thing and it's how i show up in every freaking class and like i want you to fucking feel it i want you to like i don't know how else to tell you is that i don't want to do anything for you i want to give you all of the keys to feel it so that experiential piece Mm -hmm. and finding out that it's right here oh god charles yeah it was a very that's it yeah it was a very very lovely comforting solid feeling um, and yeah, and that experience, um, sort of opened the door for me to trust mm-hmm. my imagination and understand and discern the voice of my intuition through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the course of doing that, in the course of trusting myself, um, I just realized there were so many synchronicities. Uh, there were so many moments of just goosebumps and profound clarity uh, and alignment, you know, where pieces of a puzzle that I didn't know were puzzle pieces from a decade ago suddenly made perfect sense because they snapped into place with something that had just happened that day. Um, And all of it was this call to spirit and this call to walking uh, the shamanic path and understanding my own way of of bridging spaces and worlds and dimensions um, and also bridging just the places within ourselves. God, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm making notes over here. Excuse me. I'm trying to catch up. (laughs) Did you ever work with plant spirits? Was that ever part of your shamanic path? No, never was. I love that. Thank you for that. So many people, uh, that's their introduction to shamanism. Mm -hmm. And so they think that that is the calling. (laughs) Um, I find that it's usually not. The plants want us to have these experiences. I think um, in that way. So yeah, having a shaman who's practicing powerfully that never used uh, any plant out. Good on you, honey. Well, and you know, and that that also, you know, that felt like a big barrier to entry for a long time um, because that was, yeah. that was part of the big story that made me feel so separate um, was this thought that like, well, I need to, you know, it was like, I need to try ayahuasca. Like I need to like find someone who has the right kind of peyote. Like I need to like find these people who are willing to give me these sacred medicines from their own cultures. And it was like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do that. Um, I don't need to step into someone else's path or someone else's journey. I it's within myself. Um, and, and that's been, uh, calming. So calming. Huh. Yeah, I can remember as I was getting started in my shamanic path, um, I did have a teacher who really uh, was old school in that way and was telling me I couldn't do things because I didn't have a proper teacher for it. Mm. And I can remember, um, again, that barrier to entry of, oh, God, if I want to walk this path, 
I'm going to have to leave everything that I know and little fucking Queenie over here. I'm going to have to be in a jungle with like cockroaches the size of uh, um, all of that felt so intimidating. And so hmm, it felt like an old paradigm. Are you still there? It cut out. You still there? Oh, let's see. That's cute. Andy? I can't hear a charm. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. There you are. That was just an interesting little 30 second blurb. (laughs) All good. Um, Yes, I can remember my own uh, my own frustrations about it. And I felt like it was very much an old masculine system of teaching and of punishment and of, I don't know, it just didn't feel like the paradigm that I was being asked to participate in. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, um, <clears throat> that like, I, I like the way you said that, that it wasn't the paradigm that you were being asked to participate in. And I think that's, that's an important space of discernment um, because there is so much like profound power and medicine in plant allies and in these plant spirits and in taking these medicines and having those experiences Um, for some people. um, For some people, it's, you know, a part of their cultural path and their cultural heritage um, and who they are uh, in their DNA. And for other people, it takes profound experience. Yeah, it can become an addiction for sure. And I also think too, that there's something to be said about having um, an earth shaking experience. Um, I I think about uh, uh, Carlos Castaneda's books, um, The Teachings of Don Juan, and they're so funny and frustrating for me uh, because as Carlos is going through all of these experiences, um, it's like he just won't admit for a very long time that he's experiencing these things. He needs to quantify them. He needs to categorize them. He needs to label them and understand them in a very concrete um, uh, Western model of thought. And and I'm like, I'll be reading through those books and I'm like, yo, like you've had all of these experiences already. Like, <laughs> like how did this what last more proof experience, you like, need? yeah, how did this last experience not like rattle that belief system off? And, and that's where I think those medicines can be really helpful for some people is, is it takes um, something that really truly does shift what you're seeing for you to realize that there is something else to see. Um, I just, and can I tell you, I have never read Carlos Castaneda. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one book that I tried to read that was called the art of dreaming. Mm -hmm. It fucked up my sleep so much that I was just mad. Um. Um, And so I certainly am one of those practitioners. I don't want the information. I don't want the knowledge. I don't want to read. I want to have the direct experience. So maybe that's also, um, yeah, one of the ways that I play. But what I also want to acknowledge with Castaneda is the par- not even the paradigm, but the reality that he was in, because that would have been what, mid 60s? I think so, yeah. Early 70s. He had to keep proving it over and over because for him to mm-hmm. step out of a reality that was defined would have been, yes, earth shattering, but it also could have been psychosis inducing at that yeah. point. That's a really good. Um, that's a really good point and a very good perspective. And so, I, so they had to quantify and keep proving and keep proving because um, I, I'm in just awe of how fortunate we are, Charles, to be able to fucking have this conversation right now, mm-hmm. to not be punished or prosecuted or ju- like 
Wow. I can step into a fucking paradigm where I am a divine being and I sparkle light from the inside out and nobody is going to bat an eye anymore. <laughs> it is very, very lovely. It is very um, – because and we, we haven't just – I mean that's something that we can do just like you know over the last like recent past, but just thinking of lifetimes where we've experienced that – those feelings of persecution and oppression um, yep. and loss and, um, and ostracization – and you know, carrying those those memories within our souls, it's just such a lovely, relaxing sensation to know that it's okay to be who we are, and it's okay to navigate speaking our truth, um, so long as we have integrity, um, really rooted at the core of what it is we're we're seeking and trying to learn and discern and discover. Hmm. Um, the whole darn reason that I was excited to have you on was to talk dream school. Yeah. Because Charles and Amanda, Amanda No, you guys might remember from the work on the grids. Uh, she's going to be continuing to uh, teach and lead us in that. Charles, what are you going to be teaching and leading us in dream school with? Hmm. I think that's a piece that's still slowly getting revealed to me, but um I do feel like, <laughs> but even the faith to be able to say that, yeah, like, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, feel, <laughs> um, I feel like ancestral healing is a really big piece that's been um, coming up for me lately, um, and I think that's something that will be a part of the medicine that I share within the container of Dream School. Um, working with our own ancestors, um, understanding where it is that we as individuals come from, and finding peace with that, um, finding power in that, um, and, and exploring curiosity within that, um, knowing who it is that like within this lifetime, within this body, with this current set of DNA, um, where that comes from, uh, and following that back and, um, honestly like decolonizing it in that way, um, look further back because, if you go back far enough, every single human being on this earth, their ancestors worshiped this earth and looked at the stars and saw God. Um, hmm. And some people have just had a different paradigm um, pressed upon them for longer periods of time than other people. But if you go back far enough, you can remember the ancestors that knew this world. And that's, that's really what I would like um, to help remind people in this space. Um, and that I'm going to add to that. So yeah. sorry, I'm overriding some things here because uh, as you're talking, I like, I know that you're leading this. There was no doubt whenever I put out the call, I'm like, Oh yeah, Charles is the one. Um, it was clear to me from the beginning and the clarity of it being you and of not necessarily being able to quantify what it is, it feels like there's a empowerment that's coming for you. It feels like there's an activation. So in this ancestral place, yes, but it also feels like you are here uh, and channeling this now. If I need to edit it because it's too much, you tell me, but it's coming in. There is a Mayan aspect of you who is going to be stepping into you to teach and lead us. 
there's going to be a way that you were showing us the star codes. Um, and so like I kept hearing the ancestral. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. The ancestral. I don't think you're teaching us ancestral healing. Fuck all that. I think that you're actually stepping into this other piece and uh, picking up the star codes from there. Does that resonate? Uh, yeah. Well, that does make a lot of sense. Um, even just last <laughs> night, <laughs> just last cool. night, I actually received cool. um, an ancestral healing from a, a very uh, beautiful little human being. And that was exactly where I went was back in my lineage to those Mayan roots um, and feeling yep. that and kind of acknowledging that. Um, and I think for me, stepping into my ancestry, um, if I follow that branch of my family tree, or rather as I, as I follow that root of my family tree as it goes down into the earth, um, that's always been a, a space of mystery and a space of immense loss um, because my family doesn't know, my family doesn't remember where it was um, and who it was that we came from. Uh, so reclaiming that, uh, rediscovering that, remembering that has been... Um, Do you know what part of Maya you guys are from? Um, I don't. I know that with like the most... I, I know that my most recent ancestry um, all hails from northern Mexico and the Sonoran Desert. Um, well, not all because I'm mixed. Um, but on my mother's side, um, are my ancestors that are indigenous to these lands are from Sure, from the Sonoran Desert. Um, and I also know that if I go further back, it feels like those were the people that came from Maya and then they moved up yep. there. And, you know, I have bits and pieces. I have words more than anything. Um, and that's where I've had to trust my intuition. I've had to trust my discernment. I've had to trust God um, and synchronicity and those moments of clarity on my path where it's like, I may not have a piece of paper. I may not have an electronic trail. I may not have certain records, but I have certain words and certain pieces of evidence that help me discern things. Um, but something that was so beautiful about the healing I received last night was an acceptance mm -hmm. of what I don't remember and letting that be okay. Letting it be okay that I may not know every single answer to every single question. And I may not know every single space um, with complete concrete proof of where of the the lands that my ancestors walked before and uh waking up this morning with a sense of peace about that for the first time in my life has been very very nice um yeah i'm gonna let you stay in that peace but i'm gonna keep going with where the fuck i'm at yeah <laughs> so sorry uh the mayans are the only ones that i know of on this planet who ascended the Mayan, uh, when you go down into Maya territories, it's almost like you can feel all of these spirits on a dimension above you. They didn't leave the planet. They just descended on the earth. Mm. And for you to maybe ask for permission to tap into that, that to me, like you already have the star codes and the star maps of your own ancestry that are going to begin to wake up mm -hmm. and activate. Um, so it feels to me like, part of this you leading in dream school is you actually becoming at the same time. That's how this feels to me too. Um, okay. I feel like this, this past year of um, being on my own in terms of running my own business full time um, and having that be the way that I'm taking care of myself and providing for myself. Um, leading into this space of um, taking on, I don't necessarily want to say responsibility, but committing myself to something where I show up and, um, is going to help me as, as I really 
am starting to understand what it is that I'm here to do, yep. um, the energy, like the spirit of my business and what she's here to do in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and this feels like a really beautiful space of remembering and a space of discovery and a space of sharing that process. Um, and I think, you know, oftentimes when people share their experiences and share what their processes are, those become lessons that we can learn from. Um, those stories that people share of who they are and what they're doing um, carry their own medicine. And I think that will probably be a big piece of what it is that um, I end up, you know, like teaching. It, I think it'll really be more sharing who I yeah. am and, and the medicine of that being something that can be a benefit um, to the rest of the lovely humans that are in this container. Well, and that's, uh, yeah, Queen of Swords is what I pulled over here for you on that because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it feels like you won't, uh, you're going to be initiating mm -hmm. as you go along in this process uh, of leading, quote unquote, yeah. and that ability to be evolving and leading at the same time is going to be such a valuable teaching for everybody else. Like showing them how to do that without knowing how to do that. Mm -hmm. Showing them the vulnerability and the authenticity of leaning in even when I don't know what the fuck I'm leaning into. Yeah. This is going to be big medicine, babe. Yeah. And um, and it just feels like that for me feels appropriate. <laughs> um, that for me feels like that feels good for me um, because I think a big piece of everything that I've done through my whole journey in the healing arts um, and in helping other people has been kind of um, bringing it back to my own experiences because that's the only thing I can speak to and speak of. And, you know, it's, it's my life that I can speak from. Um, I can't speak for another person. Um, I can't speak for another person's path or another person's life experience. I can speak for mine. And so allowing that to be okay Allowing that to, yep. to feel more than adequate um, and, and sort of confronting those spaces where originally it might have felt like an insecurity. It might have felt like, well, I have to be able to talk about these other things or these other spaces nope. or be like a, uh, you know, like air quotes again, but like an expert or um, on something. And it's like, no, like I'm an expert no. on who I am. And yeah. so that's what I can share. And that's, um, that's more than enough. It feels really sweet right now, too, because... Um, I haven't overtly shared like what Charles is going to be bringing to this. And they're telling me now that if I had, it would have been pressure on you. Yes. <laughs> so instead it is this really sweet thing, but also the ability to um, have direct access to the Mayan ascension and to the Mayan, at all. Like, oh God, Charles, I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. And I appreciate you recognizing that, that space of pressure because, you know, that kind of even goes back to, I think where we started, where it was, um, you know, does that, does that stress you out? Like hearing that I just, you know, that everybody loves you and, um, everybody loves you. and I think in the past, yeah. And in the past, totally. And what's so unique about this present moment in my life is for the first time, I'm not experiencing nope pressure in the way that I used nope. to because um, I'm just being myself and I'm yeah. finally not like having to exist within another person's paradigm or another person's system or another person's business or another person's program. It's um, me simply allowing myself to be myself for the first time in my life, um, allowing myself to be who I am fully. Um, 
with yeah. the grace and compassion uh, for recognizing that I, I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time, but I'm figuring it out as I go along. And I trust what I do know. Um, and I have faith that what I do know is exactly what I need to tackle the things I don't know. And that trust is massive because, yeah, you did leave a J-O-B or another <laughs> someone who was dictating when you worked, how you worked, and how much you made. <laughs> so celebrating this one-year anniversary of you being in business for yourself, <laughs> of you trusting that you can meet your own needs, this is big. Yeah. It, um, and it's been freeing. Uh, it was it was terrifying at first, um, but I also knew that it was necessary because um, I think a big part of when once you start listening to your gut, and once you start trusting your gut, um, and once you start honoring your gut, it gets harder and harder to ignore it. Yep, um, the it, consequences are bigger. Yeah, too. Yeah, because you, you can you you're aware that there is like a voice inside of you that is screaming to be heard um, because you've acknowledged it so many times before that you can't deny that it's there. Um, and, and that was really what led me to stepping into my own, um, and stepping into Queen City Healing Arts, um, was that voice and that call within me that I just couldn't deny. And it was a voice that said, even though everything is just fine, even though everything is like hunky dory and okay, even though everything is, is good and solid and stable, um, <laughs> it is not you and you're here to create something. You are here to to honor something and to usher something in. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. And they're like, that's fine. <laughs> You're not going to know unless you do it. Uh, you know, like a caterpillar doesn't know they're going to be a butterfly until they spread their wings. Um, and that whole process is confusing and dark and cramped and, um, and scary cramped. and painful. And I've watched you in this year too, uh, whenever I had no capacity to be able to step in, I would watch you in videos and your light and your presence and your ability to convey safety was so profound to me um, and irksome at the same time because I wasn't <laughs> going to always find it within myself. I'm like, fuck. Mm -hmm. um, and I said that to Cooper too. Cooper was on recently. Oh, and I'm right. like, watching Cooper dance and hearing that anybody could show up and dance every day during this year, like, what is that? Um, so your impact has been magnificent, my love. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. And um, I feel very grateful to hear that because uh, I just mm -hmm. still think it is just so fucking cool <laughs> that this is what I do and this is who I am. And this is like how I, how I walk through life um, because this is not who I would have. Well, I'm going to correct that. When I was a kid, this is who I would really, really have enjoyed being. When I was a teenager <laughs> and a 20-something, this is not anyone I would have ever imagined. Like someone patient, someone patient and like compassionate and calm, someone who's like okay just being silent, someone who's okay not actively doing something, but instead just witnessing. Um, like really? The it's a new masculine. Can I acknowledge yeah. that? Mm -hmm. I like that you say that because I think that's been a big thing is recognizing that the parts of me that I felt weren't masculine, um, my gentleness and my kindness, those are actually the strongest parts and aspects of my masculinity. Yep. And your ability to convey safety mm. like that, Charles, is precious. And I've relied on it and needed it. So thank you for 
sharing yourself in the ways that you have. Oh, you are you are so so welcome, and I'm just like that. It really does. Um, it's very affirming and and very just nice to hear that because uh, that's what I want to do. You know, um, that's what I that's what I strive to do and seek to do, and I'm, I'm really committed to doing is is being a safe space and providing a safe space uh, for people. And and it's in that like. I think in the integrity, my, my integrity and my commitment to understanding and holding a safe and sacred space for others that I'm growing so much um, because that also means I'm safe with myself um, most of the time <laughs> that like, it's okay for me to be who I am because I'm also holding that safe and sacred space for all parts of me, the parts of me that are lovely and good and nice and show up and have that bright, shiny smile. And also the parts of me that are miserable and unhappy and bitter and resentful and bitchy. And, <laughs> and those parts of me are exist and they're so valid and they're so real. And, um, and I think just allowing them to be what they are when they arise, just like, you know, when my dad was sick and I cried in the shower, like it just, that's, that was just me being, and me yeah. accepting and me just surrendering, I think, to just the all of who I am. And in doing so, I've it's just easier. Oh my God, it's so much easier than fighting myself all the time. I can't even tell you. It's just yeah. it's just so much easier. And it took a it was very hard to realize that it's easier. Um, these things mm-hmm. that are so simple uh, are very, very hard to do. Um, they take effort, they take conscious choice, they take um commitment and and those choices are things you have to repeat all of the time um and getting into new habits getting into new patterns of thought getting into new ways of looking at yourself in the mirror that takes time um and it is it is harrowing um <laughs> but but when when you realize that you've made some progress when you realize that some things are different it is like oh, whoa that's cool let's keep going yeah And that's it. I think that's where the momentum comes from Mm. and where the strength to keep going because harrowing, like I was like, it is harrowing. Mm -hmm. None of this is easy, y'all. As Charles is talking about this, like it starts with the fucking DUI. This path of being ourselves is not, mm, I think it's going to get easier Mm -hmm. as more of us do it. We pave the way for others. But yet there's shadows and it is dark and it is fucking ugly yeah. to confront places of self, which is why we are not the it's all light and love. That mm-hmm. new age paradigm really hindered us for a while. Yeah. Um, God, it, it, yeah. it just like it it dodges accountability. Um, mm-hmm. But it also feels so nice. Um, and I think that's why it's such an easy space to access, you know, that idea of like love and light and um, peace and harmony and like, yeah. That's and I'm going to give away my power to a spiritual being outside of myself yep. because they're going to come and rescue us. Yeah. Fuck y'all. Nobody's rescuing. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear myself yelling at times. I'm like, calm, calm down. No, but you're right because no one rescues you but yourself. No one heals no. you but yourself. No one fixes you but yourself and no one empowers you but yourself. That's all on you. And that can feel scary and isolating and overwhelming, but it is also the most empowering thing to recognize because what you realize is you are a sovereign being of power and your power is entirely your own. And those pieces of power, those pieces of soul, those pieces of you that may have felt ripped away or taken away or crushed or smushed down, um, it's still yours and you can call it back. 
it's still yours and you can reclaim it. It is still yours and you can pick it up, dust it off, put it back inside of you and stand strong in all of who you are. Charles, (laughs) how do people get to work with you one-on-one and experience all of your love? Oh, well, um, so my business, my website is queencityhealingarts.com. And that's where you can read more about me and who I am and what it is that I do. Um, I offer, oh, no, they don't need that. They're just ready to book something. What do you want to do? <laughs> well, then that's where you go to because that's all the information. Um, I do sessions in person uh, here in Denver and also virtually. Um, leading, you know, I just started doing uh, a virtual meditation class on Monday evenings. Um, and that's a that's an open space for everybody. It's donation based. Um, so even if it feels like listening to this and being like, well, he sounds really nice, but I don't know if I should book, just try a meditation class. Um, because then we get to hang out, then we get a hold space, then you get to just feel good for an evening. Um, and then you can decide what to do from there. Um, and all of that is available at queencityhealingarts.com. Um, and just to follow along as well, social media wise, I'm on Instagram at Queen City Healing Arts. So easy to love and Dream School because mm-hmm. yeah, and you're going to get to work with Charles in the study group of Dream School, yes. which uh, you can do Dream School without it. But to me, I think I keep seeing it as a total package. Like I teach my piece and then you guys mm-hmm. are doing yours and that the combination of it is really where the sweet spot is. Um, Not that I want to undersell (laughs) anyone who just needs to come in and gain some information. That's great. But Mm -hmm. to me, uh, there's so much momentum and power that's coming through in the study group. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I I just think, you know, just like on that note of just like, you know, choosing to go deeper into something, um, Mm. that choice is always available. That choice is always there in whatever context that it may be. There's always the ability to go deeper within yourself and to go deeper within the mysteries and to go deeper within what you're learning. Um, So you can always choose it. Uh, And And I love that word of deeper because I've been very cautious uh, with this dream school offering uh, that it's not an advanced, like the Akashic that we just did. And I think you were the one who said it. You're like, yeah, that was kind of intense. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck, I don't want to do intense. I just get overexcited like a freaking puppy mm-hmm. sharing this stuff with you guys. Um, so dream school, we have intentionally set up to not be intense. Yeah. And the study group allows you to go deeper into the mysteries, giving some, um, I tried to write this up today and I kind of didn't know the word like practical. Is it practical? I like it's that applicable. Word. Oh, applicable. Um, yep. You're showing people how to take these concepts mm-hmm. and apply them in real life or in changing realities. Yeah. Um, but it really is that deeper place mm-hmm. of support and community that's there for you because Charles and Amanda are strongly in place for you guys whenever you're showing up in our study group. Yeah. I think when you spoke of support and community, I think that's that's one of the most beautiful aspects of the study groups um, or the advanced or, you know, just sort of yep. the, 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 the deeper the opportunity um, with yeah. all of the classes that you offer is uh, creating that space where you can just talk about what you're going through, um, where you can just like say it out loud, like, this is going on. This is how I feel. This is what I dreamt about. This is what I experienced the other day. This is how I feel right now. Um, and you can share that in a space where other people understand and other people can relate. And um, and you can also share it in a space where you speaking your own truth is going to help someone else. 
Oh, and that's it. Because we, all of us, um, and I've tried to encourage this with the people who have reached out to me directly, mm-hmm. share what you're going through because other people are going through it as well. Mm-hmm. So to have um, truly a container that we say, be who you are and you're safe to be who you are here. Um, we mean it pretty explicitly. You aren't going to be too weird for us. You're not going to be too freaky for us. Nope. Um, we have been there. Yeah. And if we haven't been there, it's really, really important that you share that you're where you are um, because there's something, there, there's medicine in that. There's knowledge in that. There's wisdom Ooh. in that. Um, so if there's something that comes up that none of us have experienced, like that's fucking cool and you should share that um, because that's something that'll benefit the collective. And it's uh, certainly the way that I try to uh, participate and lead you guys. Like, I need you to remember the shit that I don't know. I need you to remember the keys. So if you do have this medicine that you're like, I don't know, there seems to be, fuck, yeah, share it. Because that is something new that is coming through you that's going to benefit all of us. Yes. And we're all discovering so much that's new because we're in this this birthing new earth. Um, So it is all new, you know? It is all new, which is also overwhelming and anxiety-ridden at times. Yes, exactly. And those are are parts of it. I don't know what's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are are the Um, other sides of the coin, and it's all just kind of part of the package experience. (laughs) So having each other, woo, that feels better just to stabilize this thing for a minute and be like, okay, I'm not fucking crazy. Keep going. Got it. Charles, thank you for spending this time with us today. Oh, thank you so much for opening the space up to me. I'm just so grateful to um, just be able to speak uh, to more of my experience, to hang out with you and uh, chat in this way. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you so much for um, opening the space up for me. Did you see some of yourself in Charles? <laughs> my running joke, everybody wants to be Charles. Um, we do. And in the Dream School study group, Charles gave me such a profound gift, reciprocity, an experience that I hadn't had before. I've led things that I haven't experienced. I've led a lot of things that I haven't experienced. And that's a weird place to be as channel. Charles gave me a great gift of being able to receive So you can understand why I chose them to guide us in dream school. The depth, the sincerity, the love, and fuck the voice, right? Like, yeah, not only is their face just freaking uh, completely lovable, but the voice, like, just curl up and dream in there. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for allowing yourself to ping, to remember, to activate off of whatever was in here with something special. Until next time, my sweet, sweet starry boo.